morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Pretty muggy, trust me on this. I've already walked a couple of miles, and it has worn me out already. But that's okay. For the next hour or so, we're going to be talking about gardening. This is Welcome to Mississippi's Garden Party. I'm your host, horticulturist, Fella Rushing. This is the program we call it Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Our producer is an awesome Java Chapman, and our phone greeted this morning is awesome michelle coming up today's dog days broadcast i'm going to give you a heads up on some stuff you can be doing in your southern garden this hot humid july weekend share a few interesting emails uh and some really cheesy music well some really laid-back music selection uh, uh, coming up in about 30 minutes Uh, most important because we are live here at mpb i'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your garden so live program folks sit back we'll do some news and come back and see how we can get dirty this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing, and we're going to be talking gardening for the next little while. I hope you got some stuff to talk about, because if you don't, I'm going to make some stuff up real quick. There's all sorts of things going on. I mean, it's hot out there. It's, it's really not that hot. It was in the lower 80s when I walked in this morning. It's supposed to get up uh, early, lower 90s in central Mississippi, but the humidity is so thick you can lick it. I mean, you can make mud off of me right now. And uh, matter of fact, I worked to spend a little time in the garden uh, yesterday doing a little stuff. Uh, at, at, you know, I mean, just, just watering plants. I was watering Plants and the, you know how water drip out of your hanging basket. You water things a couple of times, the water drips out of the bottom. I had it dripping off my nose like that, and it wasn't water; it was my sweat. <laughs> oh well, that's okay. Water and the humidity. You just need to find some way to wave something around, let the humidity turn into water. I guess with something like that. Um, had a hummingbird on my hosta this morning. I got a, a hosta plant that's got some flowers on. Never had really noticed a hummingbird on a hosta before. Uh, and in my trumpet vine, and uh, it's right beside a patch of this uh, butterfly weed. You know, butterfly weed is a native plant that monarch butterflies love. Um, I have a tropical version, tropical butterfly weed, that is usually a perennial. A hard winter will kill it, but a lot of times it'll come back, especially on the coast. But the tropical butterfly weed was covered with monarchs. <laughs> covered with a monarch, but the monarch was all over it. I mean, that monarch was busy on that thing. Um, also, I have a decorative birdhouse uh, out by my, my little uh, patio, and I, there's a bird on it, uh, uh, it on some eggs in it. I went out this morning, looked in to see if it was still in there, and it flew right out of my face. It almost made me spill my coffee. But anyway, Java, we had a little bit of interesting thing yesterday. It got you to swing by the yard. Yeah, and, and, I, and I saw the bird, but I didn't know it had eggs in there, though. Yeah, well, because, it, you know, it's such a tiny little hole, a tiny little bird. But, um, you know, after seeing my yard, you understand when I say I'm not really that good a gardener. You know what I mean? I can plant stuff, but, you know, this is not Southern living anymore. Felder, your 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 garden is the keep it clean, keep it clean, keep it clean. No, your your garden shows that you are a master gardener. Well, because that's... you have you have such a variety. It's it's all over the place. Yeah. but you have pockets of see. I can do this style. I can do that style. I can do whatever style you like, and it's in your whole garden. It's like like my garden. I left my garden viewer in there. You see that thing over there? This. 
You did. I see it. <laughs> this is a it's a little cheesy thing I came up with. You know, uh, you know, I'm a photographer, and when I look at things, I look through the lens, and that filters out a lot of stuff. You know, and in my yard, there's so many plants and so many different kind of pieces of yard art and sitting places and and stupid stuff <laughs> that you can't take it in. But if you if you uh, if you were to get a toilet paper tube, just a cardboard toilet paper tube, and look at my garden through that, it looks pretty good. You know, like through a, a camera lens. It gives and, you a little focus. Yeah, that's right. Bring, and we need to come up with a, a model for that. Bringing nice views into focus or bringing a bad view into nice focus. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, what I did was I, as I wrapped a piece of a colorful paper around a toilet paper tube and I put a little glitter on the end just because that's the way I am. And I've got a string with some beads and a seashell and a clothespin. And that clothespin so I can hang it to my shirt. So when I'm, you know, when I'm, I'm out thinking about taking pictures, it's right there and didn't get all wadded up in my pocket. But the Felder's Garden Viewer, and it, um, because your, 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 uh, what is that? Well, we got calls coming in, but your garden is very busy. So that, that fo- <laughs> the focus, sir, the garden viewer is is necessary. Well, I got a lot of stuff. And by the way, thank you for helping me. I just finished a project that was wood and concrete and broken glass, and I couldn't pick it up. And you, you, you and I picked up this thing and put it on top of my fence. It's a topping for my wooden fence. Uh, I got three sections that's six feet long, and I've got actually they're eight. No, they're they're, they're eight feet long. And I've got concrete on top of it and broken shards of really pretty art glass from uh, Pearl River Glass Studio. Has, they, have, they make stained glass and stuff, and they, they gave me their broken shards. And I put it on my fence, and it looks good, I think. Well, I mean, it looks kind of weird, but it's going to slow the squirrels down a little bit. Yeah, no, it's 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 nice, and um, I I apologize for breaking a, a piece of one of them. But you yeah. know what? It made it made that nicely. And when I was watering everything last night, I ran uh, I ran the hose over all that glass, and it tinkles when you water it. I mean, it's just great. And all these little uh, tinkly glass sounds when you hit it with water. And with the different the different colors, I'm telling you, when that when the sunlight hits it just right, yep. it's gonna be it's it's gonna be beautiful. Well, that's that's it. It's instead of. Um, Instead of having barbed wire, I've got art glass, and it's okay. Uh, in just a little while, by the way, we're going to talk with a friend of mine from South Carolina. Some of you may know Jinx Farmer. I've had him on the program several times, but he told me a wonderful story about a, a, one of his dogs. We're, we're commiserating about losing old dogs, and he has a wonderful story, and I'm going to call him up in a little while and see if we can chat with him. Uh, we'd like to throw this out. We do not have any garden events to announce. If you know of anything that's garden-related, tours or or a meetings or shows or anything like that if you'll just let me know shoot me an email i'll be really glad to help promote it i love doing that love sharing garden events with folks and if you can uh, shoot us an email you can give us a call of course but if you want to shoot us an email it's real easy garden at mpbonline.org org means organization but not a dot com we don't sell anything so anyway garden at mpbonline.org Dot org. Got a, f- a few emails to share, but first, let's ju- do what we do, what we like doing the best. Let's go to the phones. Den is calling from Jackson. Is it Den, D-E-N? Uh, ben. Ben. Oh, hey, Ben. What's up? Hi. Um, I've, I've, I've had bad luck with tomato plants over the, in the past, but this year, things seem to be going okay, and I'm at that awkward in middle stage now <laughs> where I've got like healthy vine, or, or big vines, and I'm starting to get some tomatoes on them. But I've also got some yellow leaves, and uh, there's an abundance of flowers. And I don't know whether I'm supposed to trim the yellow leaves off. Do I trim? Uh, do I pick off some of those flowers? Like I'm not really sure what to do now. Yeah. Uh, well, 
natural fertilizer, something to encourage growth. I'm yeah. Have, I'm, yeah. Did you fertilize when you put them out? Yeah, I found you know, like this. I found some stuff in the um, in my um, in my shed that was for flowering plants. And yeah, that'll I, work. Know, that works fine. Yeah, I spread that out. It seemed like it worked, and I and I put some thin seven dust down in the beginning, but I haven't done anything else. But I also haven't seen any bugs, and yeah. tomatoes are still there. So I don't. Okay. Look, but well, I don't for, yeah. Let's for, for, first of all, the seven dust does nothing. Seven dust is a stomach poison, and the insect has to eat it before it kills them. So putting dust out there, it doesn't do any good at all. And as a matter of fact, the only time it does any good, if you have insects that are actually biting or chewing on the plant, it won't help on aphids and spider mice, little sucking-type insects. So seven's old school for big beetles and caterpillars and stuff like that. So I, I, I wouldn't do that. And plus, if you found it in the shed, it's not any good anymore. Insecticides lose strength within a few months when you open them. But anyway, it'd be good to give them just a little bit of fertilizer, just a little bit around the base and water it in. That'll sort of perk them up a little bit. It. Too much will make all those flowers fall off. See, so if you push them too much, when it gets hot, not Ben, if, when it gets 95 or above and stays there, flowers and little tomatoes are going to just fall off. That, that's just what because these plants are native to the to the upper elevations in the Andes. They don't like hot, hot weather. So we want to try to get them through the next couple of months, and then they'll really perk up this fall. Meanwhile, just a little bit of fertilizer, an occasional deep soaking, and snip off those those leaves because. They're, they're, we have a lot of different fungal diseases that attack tomatoes. They're notorious for this. And when you water or when rain hits those leaves, it splashes spores on the new leaves, and then they develop spots, and it splashes, and it moves on up the plant. So anytime you see them, just snip them off. Get your pair of garden scissors and just snip them off and let them fall on the ground. Okay. And, and that's, I say scissors because it's easier on your fingers. Okay, and that's it? Pretty much. Uh, let me. Do you know what kind of tomatoes you've got? Um, you know, I bought some air. They're, air, they're some type of heirloom. Yeah. And uh, but I honestly, Bonnie, Bonnie, something. Bonnie I don't know. Bo- yeah, bon- Bonnie's. Uh, they're, they're the company that that grows them. But okay. uh, <laughs> in, anyway, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Ben. In a nutshell, for next time you plant. There are two kinds of tomato plants. There's bush type and there's vine type. And the vine type keep growing all year and keep producing all the time. And you got to stake them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And it's hard for them to survive all summer because they don't really like our summertime. So a lot of people plant them twice. They plant once in the spring and, again, sometime in July, first part of August for a fall harvest instead of trying to keep that same vine alive. Then there's a bush type. You put them in the ground, put one of these tomato cages around them, and they make like, you know, chest-high bushes. They produce a lot of uh, tomatoes over three or four weeks, then they peter out. And that's what commercial growers do. They plant bush types every four, five, six weeks. That way they always have new, sturdy, healthy plants coming on. And when they get through picking those, they got some more coming right on. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, I'll, it just one of those. Pay attention to that. Yeah, you know, you go to the garden set. If you remember the name Celebrity, Celebrity is probably the most popular bush type tomato. But if you go to a garden center, it's a good month to set out some more somewhere nearby for fall as insurance in case the ones you got now don't make it. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. Oh, one last tip. Uh, you got a Sharpie oh. pen? I do, actually, yeah. Go out and put some smiley faces on some of those green ones just in case they don't make it. You'll have some fun. Okay. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? Sometimes sometimes that's all I get is smiley faces. <laughs> I've spent, uh, the prior years, I gave up 
for about five or six years, for a while, I had these years where I just never got any plants. I mean, tomatoes. I have these big, beautiful, six feet tall plants. Yeah, too much fertilizer. Tomatoes. Too much fertilizer. Yeah. For, I mean, so this is. I came back this year to try again. Yeah, well, don't don't give up and uh, try some peppers and stuff. Like, put some basil out there too. Can I ask one more question? Sure. Real quick, I've got. I also at the same time planted some okra, and uh, I've kind of let just, them just do their thing. But and now they're really starting to take off. So what, what do I need? What happens with those? Well, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Too, you have to bend them over to reach the top of them. Unless you you got a bunch of them out there. A half a dozen. Okay, uh, try this. Two of them, maybe three of them. Cut them back uh, uh, about knee knee high or so. Are, are they are they taller than waist high? Oh no, no, they're about the shin high now. Okay, I mean, okay, yeah. Two of them. You know, just pick any two. Just pinch the tip of it out. The rest are going to get real tall, and you'll be able to pick them. The others going to branch out little bushes that'll fill in around the base of the others, and you'll have multiple stems on each one. But uh, the thing is, hotter and drier you get better okra. They're just the opposite of tomatoes and stuff like that. But okra is from Africa, and really, the hot, dry part of Africa, and it really, really does well when it gets hot. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Appreciate your call, Ben. Hang in there. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Okay. Let's go up to Grenada now. Good morning, Frank. How are you, sir? Good Frank? morning, Peter. Howdy. What's up? I need to uh, – I've got an old peach tree that's been on the home place for uh, – better part of 20 years wow i don't know exactly how old it is and i don't know what variety it is other than it's a clean peat type peach yeah um it's been in decline for the last couple of years and it's probably not going to last very much longer yeah, right. so i'm well, trying to um graft it so i can have those great peaches again yeah my question is when do i graft it and what do I graft it? What kind of rootstock do I graft it on? Yeah, those are good questions. And uh, what, what to, to answer them backwards, get any kind of peach tree. The cheaper, the better. Just get you a peach tree. You know, a little, a little small one. Plant it. If you can do that this year, that'd be even better. But you know, go ahead and put it out there, uh, so that it'll get established roots and everything like that. Okay, so any kind of peach. And then you take your grafting wood in the wintertime when the tree's dormant, you know, January, February, late December, sometime in there. You take pieces about, oh, a foot and a half or so long, about as big around as a pencil. And you put those in a plastic bag, wrap them up in a refrigerator, not the freezer. And that way they think it's still wintertime. These twigs, you know, they they don't think, they just feel. And they feel like in the refrigerator that it's still wintertime. Then after your your new tree starts leafing out in the spring when the sap is rising up in it. Then you take the the uh, the graft wood out of the refrigerator and graft it. Out of the refrigerator or the freezer? No, the free the refrigerator. We just try to chill it. We don't want to freeze it; just chilling. Okay. okay. Yeah, but you know, but st- collect your wood in the wintertime, plastic bag, put in the refrigerator, and then then uh, take them out and graft them after the new new plant starts to leaf out in the spring when the sap is rising, because that's what knits it all together is that rising sap. Do you use the uh, the grafting uh, material, not the material, but the, uh, the uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, oh, that overkill, w- or do you, do you no, have you that? don't you don't need to do that. Uh, what you can do is you can you know, when you make your graft, you know you can put a piece of chewing gum around it. You can put uh, pla- wrap it up with some some stretchy type of tape. What you're trying to do is keep it keep it moist and humid around the graft so it doesn't dry out in the sun. You're just okay. trying to cover up that little connection and do it real quick. And if you have some more questions about it, Frank, I've got a, a couple of friends who, who grow a lot of different fruit plants, and they graft all the time. We might be, be able to, if you come to Jackson sometime, let me know, and I can hook you up and show you how to do it easier. 
good enough. All right, Frank. Appreciate it, man. No, daughters. Thanks a lot. We listen to you all the time. Thank you. Appreciate that. Take care. Okay, we're going to take a, f- a break in just a second and got a phone call, but let's go to Bird in Richland. Hey, Bird, good morning. How you doing? I'm fine. What's going on? Well, uh, a few months ago, I sent you an email about um, if it was okay to plant two squash plants in the same flower bed as uh-huh. the laundry queue. Yeah. And uh, they come out real big, and they're just producing flowers. And they'll come up with a little bitty squash, and then they'll just fall off. Yeah. Just now, I've gotten a, a, about a hand-sized squash growing, but all the rest of them are still flowers. Yeah. Uh, you know the difference between male and female flowers on these things? I don't. Okay. If you go out and look at your plant, they the flowers look the same, but the female flowers on the end of what looks like a little squash. Little squash with flower in, that whole thing is a female flower. The male flower is a flower on the end of just a plain stem. Okay, and, and and you'll be able to see the difference. What happens if you don't get pollen from the male flower to the female flower, which is usually done by bees, then that female flower doesn't get pollinated, and instead of developing it, it just falls off. Now, of course, you can eat it when it's little. You don't have to, you know, you can eat it with the size of your thumb if you want to. But if you don't have any bees, uh, what you do is, t- is break a male flower off, stem and all, peel the yellow petals off. What's that? And paint the other one like a paintbrush. Just like a little mascara brush, exactly. Peel the petals off and use it like that. And matter of fact, you, if if you go out there now, the, the flower flowers open in the morning. They're usually closed by the middle of the day, so you could probably get some up done today. And in three or four days, you can be eating squash. Yeah, I've been frying the blooms and tempura just to eat some of it. <laughs> Ex- excellent. You know, you were raised. Well, I was starting to say you were raised right. But nobody raised you to do that. You figured that one out on your own. <laughs> Well, um, I actually got that from you, but <laughs> I can take all the credit. Uh, all righty, man. Question. Uh, um, my girlfriend has some blackberry trees, not trees, but like they're really tall, like long stems with no thorns on them, and they're huge blackberries. And yeah. Some of them will up like there'll be a full blackberry, but then little white berries on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and just how do you... A, a couple of the, that, it's just like it's like ears of corn. You know, if you're growing your own corn, sometimes there's skips in the in in the the in the kernels because that that little bit of the berry didn't get pollinated right. Or sometimes you get stink bugs or little insects on there, and they'll they'll bite on it, and that'll cause the ones they bite to be kind of off colored. I kind of messed up, and we were making homemade ice cream, and I dumped the barrel out in the grass. Uh oh! Killed all the grass with the salt. A lot, lot, lot. One of those plants and killed it. Oops! You don't think it'll spread and mess up anything, or do you think there's anything I can put on the grass? Just water. Just water. All you gotta do is water. You know, water dilutes the salt and it wash it away. But you gotta do a lot of water. And if you've had some good rains, it's probably all gone. But you know, don't just water enough to spread it around. Water enough to dissolve it and wash it away. Or, yeah, she was too happy about that. Bless your heart. Ain't nothing I can help you with that on my friend. All right, thank you, brother. Appreciate your call. All righty. Okay, take a little quick break. We're going to come back and chat for just a few minutes with my friend Jinx and um, about a, about a, an old dog. Uh, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and we have callers from Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, Arkansas and all over Mississippi, and even beyond sometime. If you want to shoot me an email during the week, it's garden at mpbonline.org. I think I've caught up with them, but mpb, 
garden at mpbonline.org if you've got a garden question during the week. And um, understand that I don't sell anything. I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. It doesn't matter to me which way you go. If you got a question, I'll do my best to answer it as if my own mother were answering. And that's not a cliche. That's the truth. We'll be right back after this. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Okay, dope folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Got a couple of callers on the line. If you would please hang on, I'd appreciate that because we're getting jinxed firm on the line. But meanwhile, a couple of emails. Uh, this is from Stacy. Want to know when is a good time to set, set out a second round of tomatoes and cucumbers in central Mississippi? Well, from the Gulf Coast up to uh, to Tennessee, you can plant stuff the entire month of July and still get summer stuff and still get a, a harvest before fall. If we have a normal winter with a, a hard freeze in you know, late October, November, or frost or something, you know, you're gonna you still got plenty of time, but you can plant. In most parts of our listening area, you can plant a second summer garden or set out summer plants anytime up until about the first or second week in August. So you got plenty of time. As a matter of fact, it's actually better. You know, I found out if you set pepper plants out right now, they'll grow sturdy and stocky and produce more fruit than you can imagine in the cooler, shorter days of fall. So if you can set out some more, that'd be great. Okay, now, I see a check. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to push that check or not because it ain't blinking. I'm going to try it. Jinx, are you there? Hey, Felder. Ah, you know, I you got too many buttons here. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm great. I was just doing on what you're talking about. What's that? I was starting some green beans. Some green You know, people, a lot of people don't understand. We have two summer gardens back-to-back. Yep, and um, with some things like green beans, they, I, for us, they quit producing in the summer. I don't know why. It's yeah. just too hot. Not 95 degrees. They drop, uh, beans, tomatoes, and peppers, they drop their flowers and even the little small fruits. So well, we're, uh, we're way over that now. But if I start green beans now, then I get a good fall crop. And um, Felder, I'm doing one. Uh, there, I saw a guy down in um, a botanical garden in Orlando do a presentation on the like 85 cultivars of green beans he had grown. That's too many. It's like 100 different garlics. I mean, come on. You only need three. But he was evaluating, and he said the best one by far was one called Strike. Have you ever heard of this? That's an old heirloom, isn't it? I don't know. I ordered some seeds, and it's produced like crazy. If you get a chance, save some seeds to send me some. Okay, and I'll and I'll send you I'll send you some of the yard long beans that are fell up here at MPB. Uh, 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 one of our engineers gave. Let me ask you this: Dan, you're you're in Beach Island, South Carolina, but it's nowhere near the coast. We call it a town of three lies: no beach, no island, and it's barely in South Carolina because we're on the Georgia border. Yeah, right across from Augusta, Georgia. Uh, and uh, you wrote one of my all time favorite collections compendiums of stories and facts and tips and stuff uh skills lores passed down through all sorts of generations called deep rooted wisdom timber press put published that what's well, been out a couple of years or so now it's coming on its third year and i'm so happy that it's like still it still gets interest you know a lot of gardening books are real 
trendy, I guess, but this one um, is about all different kinds of people and all different ages and races and just how they love to garden. Yeah, and it's called Deep Rooted Wisdom. Uh, And and you do that yourself. When I was uh, visiting the other night, uh, I I was over in Georgia. I swung by and spent the evening with you and your mom and had a wonderful, real southern home-cooked meal. uh, But your handle had fallen off your hand weeder, and you were out making a new handle out of a short crepe myrtle branch. How country is that, Jinx? (laughs) I think a a crepe myrtle branch is, like, really local and artisanal and very cosmopolitan. (laughs) Well, one of my favorite chapters in Deep Rooted Wisdom is uh, the one called Finding the Spirit. It's uh, telling stories and stuff. Uh, and and it, one of the, th- the stories that I wanted to, to, to share with folks, and not about the, you got new tree movers, like a big dolly that you move trees around, and you put it out there just for kids to play with. And kids will play with a wheel, or, or you have a tree house with no ladder, because you said the kids who can get up there are the kind who can get back down. Right. The other ones are going to be calling me to come help them get down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, your crinums, uh, you know, you sell crinum lily bulbs, uh, all different kinds of crinums and, and other bulbs, and they're full bloom. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to go visit Petals from the Past. I'm going to talk with my, my listener about that a little bit, uh, probably tomorrow. But one, you took me to a garden that had wine bottles and alternate paving and tons of great plants, and it sounded like my yard or Rick Griffin's yard or your yard, but this is southern living quality unbelievable alternative stuff it's like your yard on steroids (laughs) because it's about five acres of garden and this this woman does it all herself and you and i talked about it she has the eye to be to do something bold and ridiculous and pull it off but makes it work. Yeah. And and it's still beautiful. Yeah. Like, you know that bottle tree that she has, and it's shaped like one of those African bottle trees. Yeah, like baobab. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, she also had a, uh, she lines her flower beds with wine bottles, but not just one wine bottle, but three deep. And she even has raised beds made out of wine bottles. It's just incredible. But the, the thing I want to call you about uh that I want to ask you about. I was commiserating. The reason I came to visit because I was real sad because my old dog died. It's the first time I took a trip without my old dog. And you told me about a dog that lived under your house. Can you just give us a couple of minutes about that? Because what you did with her is just precious. <laughs> my um, my sugar bear was a little bit damaged. She came to me with having a hard life. You know, I don't know what happened to her, but um, she didn't like to be close. Sugar Sugar Bell was shy. Sugar Bear wanted to be like seven feet away. And like the guys at the farm, they said she was my ghost because she would always show up a few seconds before I did. And Um, she she was sweet, but real, but painfully shy. That's right. So she would, um, she really took to my mama and, but she didn't really want to be in the house or right by her. So she would go under the house, and wherever my mom was in the house, you could hear Sugar Bear down there. She and followed your mother from room to room under the house. She'd follow her around <laughs> under her feet. And even if a car pulled up in the yard, she would bark like crazy. They couldn't hear her, but my mom could hear her because she was right below her feet. <laughs> Well, Sugar Bell, she had a hard life. She was painfully shy, but when she died, you did something that's so special. It just so... So gestalt. Well, I wanted um, Sugar Bear to be everything that she hadn't been in life. I wanted her to be, like, joyous and buoyant and 
and purple. And, um, and feel pretty. You no, know, I just thought, like, Sugar Bear was not a dog that would wear purple in her old age. But when she was going to be regrowing as something else in my yard, I wanted it to be brilliant. So I put um, Sugar Bear in the yard, and I planted a big Japanese tulip magnolia on top of her. So when and it blew- Sugar Bear is, um, is a big purple magnolia. <laughs> You know that's I'm, I, this the, the, there's humor in there, but it's also very touching, and that is so classic of Southern gardeners. And you bring out the best of it in your in your book called Deep Rooted Wisdom. But let me let me ask you: you gave me a start of a hidden ginger called Emperor, but also some hardy fall asters. You know, like Clara Curtis. Everybody grows Clara Curtis, but you started collecting these other pinks and whites and burgundies and reds that bloom in the fall with no care at all. Chrysanthemums. Chrysanthemums. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, Felder, they're so long-lived, and they're, when I really got into them was when I was at Riverbank's Botanical Garden developing an antique rose collection. And you need something to complement those roses, because in the fall, they're looking so spectacular, and chrysanthemums are the perfect thing. Yeah, it's chrysanthemum rubellum. It's a spreading... A uh, pretty big plant, but they bloom without any care at all, and they're root like ringing a bell. And we, I just call them mom. You know, no. sometimes that confuses people, but we just call them the moms. And um, yeah, we stick them in the ground. I mean, I can. There's even a picture in my book where we rooted a whole row of them in the ground, just almost as an annual. You just stuck stuck cuttings in the ground. You stick them straight in the ground. And, well, um, you can also do them like in a little bucket of sand. Yeah, um, and then once you get them going, they make they make a mass that, that needs to be kind of tweezed out. So yeah. in the wintertime, you go in and pull out some of those little starts, and you move them around or pass them around. Yeah. Well, listen, man, we got a break coming up, and uh, and, and so got a scoop. But I'm so glad I caught you. Plus, you probably needed a break because it's hot and I was humid out there. Grass, Elder. I was cutting <laughs> grass, and it is like Africa hot here. I'm drenched. So well, listen, man, for giving me a good. Good little break and a glass of water. Well, th- and thank you for giving me a place to flop when I was missing my dog and telling that wonderful story about old Sugar Bell, who is who is who is purple and glorious now. Yeah. Hey, All listen. Right, g- give Mama after you dry off a little bit. Give Mama a hug for me. Okay. Appreciate it, Jinx, so much. Thank you. Welcome. Bye. Okay, that was Jinx Farmer. Uh, he sells crying balls, but uh, and if you want information about that, you can email me. But I just wanted him to share that story about Sugar Bear. You know, used to follow his mama ran up under the house. She's so shy. Now she's under a big, glorious purple magnolia tree. We're going to take a little break. We've got a full slate of calls and, uh, was it, uh, and music, right? And we got some, some <sighs> Java, help me out here. Get me out of here. We're just going to calm down. <laughs> We're going to take it slow. It's hot. It's the summertime. So we got to slide in the family stone, and we're going to go to our break. Some 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russian. I hope you enjoy that little story about Sugar Bell from Jinx Farmer. If you're interested in crying lilies, that's that milk and white lily. They got white ones and pink ones and red ones and all different kinds. Shoot me an email. I'll be glad to put you in touch with them. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we've got uh, several calls on the line, but I want to go to see if I can push. Did this work? Is Shelly, are you on the air? Yes. Hey, howdy. Went to you first because we, even though we got a lot of stuff going on, you got an event coming up, Miss Shelley. What's up? I do, and I'm sorry I forgot to email you. We are having a program on medicinal plants Monday, July 10th at 6 p.m. at Kapai County Extension Service. Okay, we being the Master Kapai County Master Gardeners. That is right. This is what Master Gardeners supposed to be doing. As far as I know, y'all the only ones in the state doing it. Well, I think there are a lot of a lot of events going on, but maybe they just don't get the word out. Well, thank you for letting let me help on that. So y'all talking about medicinal herbs, like you you got not getting into legal issues, are you? I don't know. I'm not presenting this time, but we have a longtime master gardener who has joined our group. It used to be in a group in Louisiana, uh-huh. and she is presenting, and she's going to be talking all about medicinal plants. And I also wanted to say that our door prizes are now pass-along plants from Master Gardeners. Excellent. And that's going to be at 6 o'clock this coming Monday. Monday. Yes. And the Kapai County Extension Office is out by the fairgrounds off of uh, Interstate 55. That's right. All right. Y'all have fun. And the medicinal herbs, just keep in mind, sometimes people misunderstand stuff and they can get it wrong. So cover your rear end on that one. You know, know what I'm saying? We're going to be careful. Okay, sweetheart. Thank you so much for calling, Shelly. Thank you. Uh, hug your husband for me. Tell him I said hey. I will. Thanks, Elder. Bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, now let's go to Past Christian. Jetta, thank you so much for holding all this time. What's up? Oh, thank you, Felder. Okay, I've committed a terrible uh, gardening sin. I planted a camellia in a place where it's way too hot and um, planted it a couple of months ago. It's a beautiful variegated, I think, gun smoke is mm-hmm. the variety. Um, it's about two and a half feet tall. So anyway, last night we were sitting on the porch kind of looking at it going, we got to do something, it's going to die. So this morning we moved it over to a better place where there's uh, afternoon shade, but it's about, it's got some woody, real woody growth at the top, and it, I'm just wondering if we need to cut it down, if we need uh, to cut. How, how tall is it? It's about two and a half feet tall. There ain't nothing there to cut. Go on, Jenna, just leave it alone. Give it a... but, the, but the thing sticking up at the kind of, it's got this one long shoot out of the top of it, and I okay. just wondered if well, that's... What you could do, on the, when the, keep in mind that what you've got right now isn't even going to be the limbs of the tree down the road. The limbs are going to start growing about knee high. See, so everything right now is all about sending energy down to the roots, getting it well-rooted, and then this wintertime, thin out uh, some of the stuff there, so those will be the main limbs of the tree from now on. Imagine sticking a big bush on top of what you got. That's just sort of the base of it. See, so uh-huh. right this year, all the leaves it's got are sending energy down into trying to help the plant get rooted through the summer. You can thin it out and prune it next year or in the wintertime if you want to, but let's let it get established this first year. Okay, so just let it be and... 
Yeah, it yeah. watered and it should be yeah. fine. Now, if you want to, the tall thing is uh, coming up. If you want to snip it back, you know, about halfway, it will bush out, and those will be the main limbs of the tree for the rest of the the the, the shrub's life. See, so you know, you could you know okay. you could cut it back and let it start bushing out because that means it'll start bushing out about knee high or so. In a camellia okay. bush, uh, old ones they start bushing out about knee high. This is how you get them started. Okay, so I think I'll cut a little, just a little bit off the top of that. Long, yeah, yeah, cut, cut it back. And then in, in this winter, next year down the road, thin out some of the clutter at the bottom. But right now, those are, those, every leaf on there is a, is a root factory. All right, that sounds great. And I just have a quick question, too. I wonder if anybody knows where there's an old-timey daylily farm anywhere in Mississippi. Oh, boy. Right up in there's a, they had a can of worms. They're they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Daily people, uh, you know, they're 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 like they're they're like crack addicts when it comes to to their plants. Every one of them got five or six hundred different kinds. Shoot me an email because somebody else will send me an email with with, with the list of some somewhere close to the coast. Okay, great. Okay, All right, thank you so much. Real, real quick advice, Jetta: Do not keep that plant wet. Too much water is worse than not enough. Oh, okay. so you know, did you plant make a nice wide hole? Yeah. Okay, yeah. nice nice wide hole, loosen it all up and uh cover it with mulch, maybe put a little monkey grass around the base of it and then just give it a real good deep soaking, I'm going to say every week or two. Okay. Uh, You're I, getting I, a lot of rain. So. I know. Well, I'm just when it stops raining, I just put a bunch of shrubs out in my yard and after the rain, if they get watered every two or three weeks, they're lucky. And I mean, I I've got a hose right there, but I know that too much water or too often is worse than not enough. A good deep soaking every week or two is the most that plant needs. Okay. All, All right. right. Good to know. All right. Thank Appreciate you. it. Okay. Thanks so much. Stay Bye-bye. cool. Let's go to Florence now. Hey, Brian. Good morning, sir. Yeah. What's up? How are you? I'm fine. I think I know who this is. <laughs> I think you do too. Used to be Brian Ship. Yes, sir. And what's going on? What's you? You got the one of the oldest bottle trees in the state. <laughs> yes, I do. And actually, I've been working on it lately. I've got a lot of bottles off of it, trying to get the nails back into the log <laughs> and try to keep it as, as original as I can without the bottles falling off and breaking. Yeah, you still got Christmas lights on it. Actually, I have been taking those off the last few weeks. I bought some new lights. I think you say those the, those lights probably hadn't worked in years. And by the way, folks, this is uh, about my friend Brian. Before I knew where you lived, Brian, you know when you bought that old. It's an old. What was that house built? Uh, early nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen is old house with a tin roof. Before you bought that, I had taken a picture of this bottle tree out from Florence, and I had got it in my bottle tree book. And uh, and when I mentioned when you said you had a bottle tree, and I said. It, it, there's one out there. You said that's my house. I had a picture <laughs> I see of your bottle. Yep. So, so what, what's up with it? Uh, nothing up with the tree. I was just calling. I wanted to ask: Is it too late to uh, shape my azaleas? Have I waited too late? No, but you, you're really starting to push it. It's pretty hot out there. But if you, yeah. you know, if when you say shape, you're not talking about cutting them back real hard, are you? No. Uh, I asked you about that last year. I cut them back to about two feet from the ground last year. And they jumped. And, uh, yes, they came out perfect, and you had told me to wait and this year shape them, but I wasn't sure if I had waited too late. To no, no, as long as you're not cutting it back to stuff, no, you know, any bigger around your little finger. But now keep in mind, Brian, wherever you make your cut, they're going to put out three or four branches right there, so cut it down below where you want it to fill back out to. Okay, okay. Well, yep. that's a good idea. Thanks. Yep. 
All righty, Brian. Listen, stay uh, stay cool and and uh, not too humid. Actually, we are sitting at the Meridian Amtrak. We are headed to New York City. Oh, all righty. This, and what a what a pretty station. You know, the train's not due for a little while. Why don't you walk up to the Weederman and get you a nice cup of coffee? I think that's what we might do. Okay, so. my friend. Y'all have fun in New York. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank okay. you. Bye now. Okay, oldest bottle tree in the state that I know of. It'd be kind of interesting to find out what is the oldest bottle tree in the state. And uh, Java, you see, I've got bottle trees all over my yard. That's what I was going to ask you. How long ago have your, you know, how long have your bottle trees been up? The one that's got the red Christmas lights on it by my kitchen tower, uh, I built when my son was four, I think. So it's it's 26 or 27 years old. But that ain't old. That was, that's, to me, that's kind of old. <laughs> well, how old is Brian's then? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's been out there. I have no idea. But it's an old cedar tree with uh, with nails and stuff stuck in it. And it's a real tall, skinny tree. It looks like a an exclamation point. It's probably 18 feet tall, tall and skinny. And uh, there's bottle trees all over the state. Maybe we ought to see if we can find the oldest bottle tree in the state. Now, I could ask this question, and it may not even be an answer. Well, what 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 purpose is the bottle tree, except well, for except for aesthetics? Except yeah, well, for that that's the main thing. You know, uh, people like to to accessorize. And by the way, folks, we got the line open. If you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring, eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, people used to put bottles out in their yard because they had this idea that they would uh, re- repel bad spirits. Now I'm not making this up, and this 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 people said it was a tradition brought over from Africa. Actually, it was it originally in Saudi Arabia and Iran was now Iran's Persia. Remember Aladdin and the genies and the and the lamp. Okay, yeah. It's three four thousand year old uh, folklore about genies and lamps, and that got translated into into Europe with their superstitions, and it brought over. First thing you know, people are hanging bottles in their trees to catch spirits. Okay, now that, and, that to me to me. That, that makes sense. I, yeah. I can understand that. Well, you know, I don't I don't believe in spirits, but, you know, as far as I know, we ain't got any except mine. You know, bad spirits anyway. But uh, here's the thing. Pe- people who want to express themselves, you know, you can put little gnomes in your yard or you can, you know, put a little, you know, scarecrow or whatever. Pink flamingo people, when they put flamingos in their yard, they're making a statement. They're sort of thumbing their nose at people, you know. So pink flamingo people are in your face. And proud, bottle tree people. Every single unique, but flamingo people all feel like they're part of a tribe. Bottle tree people, even if there's four on the same block, they always feel like they're the only bottle tree on the street. And you had a couple gnomes hiding in your yard. Don't act. I, I saw. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and by the way, those gnomes have been hand carried from Europe, a place like that. Gnomes are, are old, uh, superstitious things from 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 Northern Europe. And might notice mine are all five or six, eight inches tall. That's the real. If you see a gnome that's knee high, that's a fake gnome. Now, one thing that I did know, a lot of them come with backstories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got personalities and stories and, and things like that. But I don't believe in all that stuff, but it is fun. It's fun anyway. It, it adds color to my life when I'm out in my garden. Anyway, that's what my bottle tree for. And, you know, I don't, I don't wear earrings. I don't accessorize. And so I do this stuff instead. Instead of hanging stuff out of my ears, I put bottles on my trees. Same thing. Let's go to uh, Popperville. Hey, Brent, how are you this morning? Hey, Felder. Um, I had a question about azaleas. Do you know if azalea does any does well to make baskets out of? 
because they cop us really well. They but... uh, they should. They should. Okay. You know, especially, you know, and a lot of people don't know what coppice is. When you cut a plant all the way to the ground, it's put it out of these tall, thin shoots. It's where they grow fence posts in Europe. Um, but they do, and, and they, the branches are pretty flexible, so I would imagine they would do okay if, you know, if it was current season's growth or previous season's growth. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Well, okay. Appreciate it. By the way, uh, have you done this? Have I done any coppicing or yeah. weaving? Yeah, coppicing. Uh, not much. I cut my azaleas back really, really badly because <laughs> I wanted to get rid of them, and then they just popped right back up. So, so, I so you're thinking about it. Uh, you know, this sounds like a short story, the accidental coppicer. <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't hurt anything. Crepe myrtles, Isaiah, you cut them down, they sprout back out. And I don't see why you couldn't cut those off. Because I weave, uh, the, I have uh, wattle, wattle fencing, the woven fencing made out of mm-hmm. crepe myrtle branches in my yard. Okay. So anyway, great idea, Brent. All right, thanks. All right, appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Oxford. Eric, what's up, man? Hey, man, quick question. Roma tomatoes, uh as they're ripening, they're fully red, but every one of them we cut are white on the inside. You know, I'm drawing a total blank. That that that's an environmental issue. It's not a disease or something like that. And I don't remember exactly. This is one of those cases where I know, but I can't remember. Uh, but I know it's not a disease or a fertilizer or thing like that. I think it probably has to do with with the, with the weather, hot temperatures, a lot of rain, that sort of thing. But uh, we yeah, but I tell you what, because it is irritate, it doesn't irritate me. I'm used to this. When I can't remember something, shoot me an email so I can refresh myself, and I'll remind folks about it next week. Well, do man, thanks. I appreciate it, Eric. Gar- garden at mpbonline dot org. Do we have time to take this other break? We're gonna blow that one off. Okay, blow. He said it's gone. So give us. We got time to take some calls. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go up to South Haven on the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Barbara. Hello. Howdy. What's up? Okay, I have a yard that's on a slight slant mm-hmm. with a brick wall behind it, and I have daylily flower beds in front of the brick wall. Uh huh. And I assume this is drainage, but I'm getting moss in my flower beds. Yeah, this could be a, 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 actually three things. You got plenty of sunshine there? Yes, sir. It's full sun. Okay. Well, you, when you have moss, uh, usually they're shady, but also if the soil is, is compacted and acidic. So uh, what I would do would be, I mean, just acidic. You're not going to have moss unless your soil is somewhat as, uh, uh, acidic. Okay. So sometime this year, and you only have to do this every two or three or four years, work a little bit of agriculture lime, spread it on the ground, just a good dusting, and then lightly work it in the ground and then cover that up with some mulch. That'll keep the ground from getting hard and packy, and the lime, as it dissolves, it'll it'll counteract the acidity of your soil. This is pretty normal. Okay. But, uh, but break break the dirt up. Put a little, just a light dusting. We're talking about five pounds of lime will do 100 square feet. Okay. Ten foot by ten. That ain't much. Uh, a cup will do a ten foot by ten foot area. Okay, and so, I can kind of figure that by by my columns in between the brick wall. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I did poor math. A cup will do a ten square foot area. That's like three yeah. feet by three feet. Okay, I'm bad at math, but anyway, do that and lightly work it up, and then cover it with mulch and moss will dis- and your plants will grow better. Okay, and another quick question: the I guess they're can of worms. Mm-hmm. Are what? 
what do I do for them? They're starting to eat up my can. They'll do that. And so larvae of a moth that lays eggs at night, no way you can keep that from happening. And you can't really spray your cannas because it bees up or rolls down the middle and burns your plants up. So unless you want to use... Uh, you know, some weird stuff like diatomaceous earth and all like that. Here's what my great-grandmother, who's a horticulturist, taught me. And my grandmother did it, my mother did it, and I do it. And when the can of, when they roll it all up, just cut those plants down and throw them on the ground, and the plants put in all new growth. Okay. And uh, put, you know, put you a, a bird bath or a gazing ball or something out there to look at till your can has come back. That Because even if you kill the caterpillars, it's still going to look all boogered up. And so, there's nothing to prevent it. There, there's nothing to prevent it because those leaves are so slick that weed killers, I mean, the insecticides beat up and roll off. And, you know, there's no predicting when the, one moth's going to lay some of those eggs. So best thing to do is just understand that's part, cutting them down in the summertime from time to time is just part of growing cannas. And the okay. and the spiders and wasps and stuff will take care of the caterpillar. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All righty, Barbara. Thank you for calling. Stay, stay cool and not too humid. And I think we got time to work one last call in. Mikey, we're starting to run out of time calling for Mobile. What's up? Yes, sir. How do you spell coppicing first? Um, how, uh, understand well, okay, one, one, one thing at a time. C-O-P-P-I-C-E. C-O-P-P-I-C-E is coppice. Coppicing is C-O-P-P-I-C-I-N-G. You know how people, have you ever seen a drunk driver where they ran over a crepe myrtle and it sprouted all out, came right back up? Well, I don't have a lot of experience with crack myrtles, but I got a lot with azaleas. Well, so when you cut when you cut a plant down to the ground, a multi-stem plant comes up with all these straight branches, and they after three or four or five years, they make really really good fence posts. That's, okay, that's called copper. No, we're out of time, Mikey. We got to scoot. Sorry. <sighs> I hate to be that way, but we're just out of time, and I got to go. The uh, Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer laid back with hard work in Java Chapman and our beautiful phone greeter this morning is Michelle McAdoo. Look forward to working with her in the future. I'm your host, Phil Rush. I'm going to be thinking of you as I get out this weekend and trying to stay cool and not too humid, wrapping some stuff up, staying away from mosquitoes, take a kid to a garden center and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty.